the investigation crawled to a halt. With no one charged, the case went cold. It spent decades in the doldrums and became one of the most famous cold cases in the area. The notoriety of the case grew as the years passed. Primarily, this was because of the involving alibis given by both Thomas and Michael Skakel. According to Michael's version of events, he had been creeping around outside of the window of the Moxley home, peeping in through the window and masturbating while he did so. This was over an hour-long period, ending at half-past twelve. Two students at Michael's school, however, confessed that they had heard the boy bragging about having killed Martha using a golf club. One of the most pressing issues was the connection that the Skakel family had to one of America's most powerful families. They were related to the Kennedys. In fact, this familiar bond brought with it such prestige that a man named Greg Coleman said he once heard Michael boasting about the murder, saying that he would get away with the crime simply because of the fact that he was a Kennedy. The case would be reopened, but a fellow member of the Kennedy clan was accused of rape in 1991. William Kennedy Smith was acquitted of all charges, but not without a rumor emerging that he had been present at the party on the night Martha Moxley had died. Not only did the rumor hint that he had been present, but there was the suggestion that William might have been involved. While this rumor was quickly squashed, it did prompt investigators to reopen the case. Rushton Skakel hired his own private investigator to look into the case in 1991. This led to the assembling of a report named the Sutton Report. This was eventually leaked to the media, and inside it contained accusations that both Thomas and Michael had altered the stories they had originally given to the police at the time. Now their version of events seemed to be contradictory. It fell upon writers to bring the story greater public attention. In 1993, Dominic Dunn published a story called A Season in Purgatory. The fictional narrative bore a huge amount of resemblance to the story of the murder of Martha Moxley. Another book, Murder in Greenwich, went a step further and named Michael as being the person who killed Martha. Additionally, author Mark Furman pointed out a number of errors in the original investigation. Over the course of time, leaving up to the publication of the accusatory books, a number of local police officers have become convinced that the case merited further investigation. In June of 1998, a one-man grand jury began to look over the evidence in the case, a process that took 18 months to complete. By the end, it was decided that there was enough evidence to charge Michael Skakel with the murder. Michael gave himself up that same day after a warrant for his arrest was issued and was released shortly afterwards. The bail which was paid was half a million dollars. Initially, it seemed the case would be tried in a juvenile court as Michael was 15 years old at the time of the murder, but a judge eventually ruled that Michael should be tried as an adult. The trial in question began in May of 2002. His attorney was the high-priced Michael Sherman. According to the alibi Michael gave at the time of Martha's death, he had been at his cousin's home. 
One of the pieces of evidence shown during the trial was the recorded conversation in which Michael Skakel discussed a book proposal. During the conversation, he discussed the night of the murder and claimed that he had been masturbating outside of a window while he sat in a tree. This could well have been the same tree where Martha's body was found the next morning. In the book proposal, it was clear that Michael was not able to confess to having carried out the murder. But nevertheless, the prosecutors took the words he was saying and laid them over images of the body as that had been found, creating an implication. During the conversation, Skakel admitted to being worried that he had been caught, and then panicked.